Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. This week on the podcast, we've got Andrew Onerma from Ozark Gravel Cycling to talk about the community he's growing in the Ozarks and all the great riding you can find in that region. Before we jump into the conversation, I'd like to thank this week's sponsor, Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. As you know, I'm a long-term fan of Athletic Greens because even with a balanced diet, it's difficult to cover all your nutritional bases. That's where Athletic Greens will help. Their daily drink is like nutritional insurance for your body that's delivered straight to your door. Athletic Greens is developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. It's a green powder engineered to fill all the nutritional gaps in your diet. Their daily drink improves everyday performance by addressing the four pillars of health, energy, recovery, gut health, and immune support. Personally, my system, I take an Athletic Greens drink every morning, and then on long ride days, I may take a second drink. I find that it both helps with recovery because I'm supercharging my nutrient load, but also hydration. So it's just a good reminder to take care of your body after long rides. I am by no means an expert on nutrition, but in looking into the ingredients in Athletic Greens, I keyed in on zinc for muscle recovery and better sleep, magnesium for nervous system recovery as well as better sleep, and then a high dose of vitamin C, which helps in rebuilding muscles. Those are just a few of the 75 ingredients in Athletic Greens you should be checking out. Athletic Greens is NSF certified for sport, which means they take their products seriously, consistently testing and auditing to ensure what's on the label is actually what's in the pouch. NSF certification means it meets all the quality and safety standards required for the world's top athletes and Olympians. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, now's the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash thegravelride to claim a special offer today for my listeners. You're going to get a free D3 K12 wellness bundle with your first purchase. So remember, just visit athleticgreens.com slash the gravel ride. Now let's jump right into my interview with Andrew and Ozark Gravel Cyclists. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Craig. I'm super excited to learn more about your project, Ozark Gravel Cycling. But the more I've talked to you on offline, the more I want to hear about your personal journey to the bike and all the things you've been doing. So why don't we start off by just a little bit of your background as an athlete and what led you to gravel cycling? Uh, that's a great question. So the journey of the bicycle has definitely evolved a lot in the last decade. I'd say I really started riding bikes in college as a means of transportation. My vehicle died on me. Like, okay, I can't buy another car. What are we going to do? So what's the cheapest bike you can possibly find? It's going to be a bike that has one gear <laughs> and has nothing extra on it. So got a six gear bike because I was starting to hear about it. That was cool. This is in 2011, 2012. And I started really getting addicted to just the motion of moving through the landscape and interacting with vehicles and people and pedestrians. And I started delivering sandwiches for Jimmy John's in the middle of the night. I'd be doing a graveyard shift of 
10 p.m. till 3 or 4 in the morning and just doing it all by bike. And I didn't have navigation on my phone, so I'd be printing up stuff in the shop, turn-by-turn navigation, and using that to deliver sandwiches. And I ended up just spending a lot of years traveling out west, always had a fixed-gear bike. It'd be my fun way to explore, but I'd still be pursuing other things like rock climbing, backpacking, mountaineering, skiing, really just fully embracing the outdoors, but the bike was always there. It's more of just like a really fun way to explore and a way to shake things up. Yeah. And it, like within the last two, three years, I finally got my hands on a road bike with multiple gears, brakes, and it opened up a whole new world of cycling to me that I'd never seen. I could suddenly do much, much bigger hills. I was living in Salt Lake at the time. I was doing these canyon passes, seeing the landscape from essentially mountaintops. And I was just blown away by how much you could see in an afternoon. It didn't even have to be a full day. And so that just fully consumed me. I was doing a lot of where I would bag multiple peaks in a day via foot. And I was like, man, I can apply this to the bike instead. Let's like, how many high points can I hit? And so that really opened my eyes to how much distance you can travel on the bike. And then I started looking over and what about these dirt roads that I'm seeing? I'm getting tired of all these cars whizzing by, like ruining the vibe per se. Like I'm out in nature and all of a sudden you have 20 cars blow by and one person has to roll down their window and yell something or whatever. And so I started dabbling into some dirt, but I wasn't confident with the skinny tires. So I went west on the other side of the Salt Lake where it's flat. And that was my introduction to gravel. It was just this big open space with these random gravel roads, no information, no signage. And I would just kind of go for a while for as long as I felt comfortable. And then I would turn around and come back and just cross my fingers for whatever reason. I was thinking, now that I'm on gravel, my bike's going to explode. Everything's going to go wrong. And I kept having rides with health. I was actually really peaceful and enjoyable. And I was by myself the whole time. And that's, I started honing in on that aspect. This is something different. This is combining a lot of years of playing outdoors and this love of the bicycle. And so that's the quick summary of bikes over the last almost decade until I moved back to Arkansas and got a a proper gravel bike, my first gravel bike. And it's been a little over a year having a bike that's designed for this style of riding. And it's just been phenomenal. And just the more I've done it, the more I've just, I don't know, absorbed as much as possible as far as learning and getting faster. That's a super cool journey to the bike. I remember in connecting with you originally when you were talking about your passion for mountaineering and climbing and hiking. It's as you came to it from a road biking perspective, it's pretty natural that you started to see those same peaks you'd hike and say, why don't I go up a dirt road rather than the paved road? So it's really cool to hear that story, that backstory about how you got into gravel cycling. Absolutely. And a lot of the hesitation initially was I felt like it was going to complicate things of being out in nature in that environment. Since I always did things by foot or by skis, 
I, it felt very minimal. And I thought, oh, now that I bring a bike, I'm going to have to bring tools in case it breaks down. I'm going to have to bring bags to carry things, and it's going to have to attach the bike. So a lot of the hesitation was more so thinking is going to complicate it all and take away from the joy. But it turns out you can just cover so much more ground. And for the most part, things work out. You're not getting out there and just getting flats all the time and derailers falling off or anything like that. It's you're just doing what you love and you're doing it in a really cool environment. Yeah. You came into the sport at the perfect time because a lot of the kinks had been worked out of the systems yeah. on the bike. They are yeah. super reliable. And I definitely For see sure. what you're saying about hiking versus biking. I often think to myself as I'm hiking with my family, we're just covering so little ground compared to what I do on a bike. We have to pick mm -hmm. such a small section to hike Whereas that would be, you know, one eighth of what I might ride in any given day. And I always feel a little bit guilty the amount of terrain I'm able to cover versus when I'm hiking with my family and they're just seeing this little tidbit of what's on the mountain. For sure. And then one, one thing I was overlooking for a long time was the, the element of enjoyment of downhill, running, hiking, whatever, going downhill is not nearly as fun. <laughs> by foot as it is on a bike or on skis or something like that that in itself adds a lot of extra joy on covering that terrain because you get to experience these crazy speeds and be making on the fly decisions and audibles to dodge little boulders or hop over ruts and things like that so that's it's a blast you work you like earn your turns is the the term in skiing and i feel like it relates to gravel riding really well as really well. So true. I had run into a friend of mine's wife who was out on a all day uh, mountain biking trip down onto the peninsula to a great spot called Skeggs. And she told me, oh, I got a text from him saying he just had the time of his life. And he's, she's like, I, don't, I just don't get it. And I'm like, it's hard to explain to a non-cyclist, <laughs> but it, it brings us back to our youth. It's, it's like playing video games wrapped into working out this constant decision-making that you have to do when you clear a section, you want to just high five your friends and you just have a laugh because it's, it's just such yeah. an exhilarating sport. Yeah. There's many times where I'm in the middle of the nowhere and the Ozarks laughing, going down a descent or just grinning ear to ear. Cause it's, it's so much fun. <laughs> so true. I'm smiling just thinking about it. So you yeah. mentioned that your journey took you back to Arkansas and you were a new gravel cyclist at that point. And the reason I was super stoked to connect with you is because I love these community-based projects. So you started a group called Ozark Gravel Cycling. What led you to begin that journey and put a stake in the ground and say, hey, I'm going to be a hub for activity in, Ozarks, in the Ozarks and try to unearth information for would-be cyclists and start a, a community around gravel? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. So through fixed gear riding I honestly just spent a ton of time by myself because it's such a very niche aspect of riding bikes that it was hard to find other riders that did the same thing and to have the same fitness or goals or schedules so whenever I got a road bike I was about to start racing for a team by no means was I going to be going to local crits or road races and dominating or anything but I was just really excited on the aspect of here's a group of people that love bikes and we're going to hang out and we're going to ride bikes and we're going to travel sometimes to events and do more riding bikes. 
So it was just this really cool group setting that got me excited. It reminded me of sports in high school, growing up, junior high, middle school, things like that. It was just, I'm an adult, but all of a sudden I have this shared activity that we all get to enjoy together. And so I was just really thrilled on having friends through a common activity. And as soon as the pandemic happened, everything got canceled. So I never got to actually go to these races. I got to do a team camp, started doing some practice rides, and then boom, everything canceled. So it's like, oh man, I was so fired up for this idea of traveling and riding bikes and checking out new spots. And so when I moved back to Arkansas, one is to be closer to family. My grandparents are here. I wanted to help them with grocery shopping. I didn't want them to have to go out and do all these things by themselves. So I, one move was definitely to be around family, but the other was, hey, things are shifting. The ski resort's no longer open that I work at. This seems like a good time to pursue the bike a little bit more and just skip a few months of winter and jump straight to spring by moving down south. Showed up in Arkansas, and I knew one guy that rode gravel in Arkansas, and that was literally it because we knew each other in college. And our very first gravel ride together I basically told him, hey, I was really excited on riding bikes with the group and trying to travel around and check out more places to ride, essentially, make friends. And I told him that idea. He said, yeah, that's cool. We don't really, we have different smaller groups, but there's no like central thing that's dedicated only to gravel right now. And so I pitched an idea of, hey, let's, let's do that, me and you we're having a good time right now, right? You probably have a few friends like this. I bet there's other people in Arkansas. We know there's other people in Arkansas that ride gravel. Let's just try to connect more people. That's really how it started was just me and one other person went on a gravel ride, had a great time together and wanted to do it more and find other people to do it with us. So did you start off with a Facebook group? Cause I know now you have, you've got a website up and running. How did you get started? Yeah. So it was, Whenever I first came back, I, I couldn't get a job when I first came back to Arkansas. So I was living with my mom and my grandparents. And I was applying, trying to get jobs anywhere, couldn't get a job. When I wasn't riding my bike, I decided to make pursuing this a job per se. It, it didn't feel like a job. It was, I loved every single minute of it. But it's like, what can I do? I can create an Instagram account. That's like the very first thing I did. Created an Instagram account, Ozark Gravel Cyclist. Boom, here's three photos from our ride. Here's two people that like riding gravel. What are some popular hashtags related to gravel? Who else in the area is riding gravel? So looking up Ride Arkansas. Anything I could do to try to find people through basically social media, I tried to follow them and comment on their rides be like hey this is really cool where was this at and so it was just very genuine because i wasn't trying to do this hey this is a gravel authority in america is very just start small start local start focused i didn't like I, I love what's going on in the country but i want to know what's happening right here where i live and yeah, so I that was that I, was the focus i love that and I've, I've spoken to the ohio gravel grinders and a couple other groups on the podcast and it's just so critical i think 
part of it seems to me that there's there's a challenge anytime you're getting out there in the wilderness and just knowing someone did this route before you or finding a group that'll go do it with you is just so confidence inspiring and it just accelerates that learning curve of once you get hooked on gravel cycling you just want to explore new and different places as frequently as you can yeah hands down and so it was that's what a lot of it was getting people together to check out new roads that at least one person had been on it before so we're like cool you've been on it you're still alive you're still talking to us <laughs> let's let's go check that one out and then on my days where i couldn't ride with anybody i was scouting out new roads myself and trying to create new routes and then eventually bring people out to this other area i saw and then started adding some more consistent group rides it was just once a month and then it was every thursday night and it just has grown very quickly just because one there's a huge scene for gravel in northwest arkansas but two we've just been consistent no matter what it's been for a year straight we've had a group of people riding gravel every single week amazing so for the listener that may not be familiar with the ozarks and arkansas in general can you just tell us where in the country arkansas is and where are the regions that you love riding most in Arkansas? Yeah, it's great. So when I lived in Utah, it was actually one of my jokes. I'd say, hey, I'm from Arkansas. Name three states that border Arkansas. And a lot of people couldn't do it. So Arkansas, we're above Louisiana. We got Texas down to the southwest. We got Oklahoma, Missouri, Tennessee, all these different states bordering us. So we're south, central and the Ozarks themselves is, I was just looking at this earlier, so it's 1.2 million acres of incredible forest. It's big rolling hills where the highest point is 2.7 thousand feet tall. That's Mount Magazine. And you have a ton of these scattered peaks that are in that range of 2,000 or so feet. And what happens is if, as you're riding through this terrain, you get to a high point, you're on a ridgeline for a little bit, and then you drop way down to where these rivers and creeks are, which are down at maybe 300 feet elevation, 400 feet elevation. So you constantly get these repeating hills of a thousand feet or so. And so it's this very engaging up and down roller coaster. You can't ever see for too far in one direction either because the tree coverage or just because it's so winding that it just really pulls you in you're really engaged you can't just stare off into the distance that stuff because you got to be looking at what's in front of you so my limited experience riding in arkansas was out of bentonville on the, the big sugar course and it was the bits i did which was only i think about 35 miles a lot of gravel road wide gravel roads wide enough for a couple cars to go back and forth on pretty rough gravel roads, as it turned out, which mm. I was a little bit surprised about. When you yeah. compare that type of riding with what you might find in the Ozark National Forest, what would you, how would you describe the differences between the two? Yeah, that's cool to bring that up because even a lot of people that live here, they tend to still hover around what's right by Bentonville or right by Fayetteville. And the way you describe it, I say that's a great representation of what's around these towns. I agree, it's pretty chunky and it can get steep. And 
anything that you find out in the, Oz, the, like, the proper Ozark National Forest is just a more amplified version of what you experience just outside of Bentonville. So it certainly sounded like given, the, certain, certainly sounded like the climbing in the Ozarks was maybe 500 feet more than you might see in and around Bentonville. Yeah, yeah, and then just the vistas are that much more beautiful and the rivers are that much bigger the creeks are that much bigger so it's really just like anything that's near bentonville it's just i don't even know how to it's hard to that's why i'm so obsessed with getting out there and trying to develop new routes because i just think it's absolutely phenomenal and i know how much people love the riding right by the towns we're at yeah so if you love this and you're willing to push yourself a little bit more to go a little bit further up a hill, then you're going to get this much bigger of a reward going downhill or seeing this view. So to me, the Ozark National Forest is just the, the absolute pinnacle of what Arkansas has to offer concerning gravel riding and bikepacking. Are you finding that the athletes that you're riding with and yourself, are you riding bigger tires because of that chunky terrain? Yeah. So some of the guys that have been here for a while and girls, they, I've been pushing them to go bigger and bigger tires. I've never finished a ride and been like, man, you know what? I should have had a smaller tire. I should have had a smaller tire. And a lot of it stems from, of course, people coming over from the road culture and wanting to keep speed on pavement sections. So if it's your Thursday night ride out of town, there's going to be a fair share of pavement. Say we're doing pace lines. People are going to want a smaller tire and go faster. But the thing is I run a 47 seed tire all the time. doesn't matter what I'm doing, 47 seed tire. And that's truly just because that's the biggest tire I can fit in my frame. If I could go bigger, I would honestly be looking into a 50 C tire potentially, especially getting out, if you do a ride only in the Ozark National Forest, that's when you're getting in the train of, man, maybe I want like a fully rigid mountain bike instead. Yeah, no, I was thinking about the exact same thing today. And I'm with you. Like I just, I go as fat as my bike will allow. And mm-hmm. I never seem to regret it. I was thinking about it also in the context of descending and just how much more yes. confident I am to have a bit more fat rubber there. It's like going mm-hmm. uphill and I've been experimenting with some really narrow tires just to kind of test the other end of the spectrum. And it's all good going uphill. Mm-hmm. Like I'm perfectly fine. But the moment it starts going downhill, I start getting nervous about how much suspension is that tire providing? How hard can yeah. I hit this rock garden that I'm going through? And a lot of times it's out of your control. You, you get into some rough stuff going fairly fast. You got to have equipment underneath you that's going to survive the abuse you're giving it. Absolutely. And I feel like I remember whenever I listened to your podcast, like quite a few episodes in the last year or so, didn't you have a phase where you're starting to experiment more with 650B just so you could go bigger tires? For sure. For sure. And yeah. you know, it's funny. I just posted something on Instagram this weekend about three sets of tires and wheels that I had and which one did I choose? And it's going to be a no surprise to anybody that it was the biggest tire that I could fit that weekend. <laughs> I really like unless it's a very specialized ride. Oh, I want to do this particularly longish road section. And then I'm going to go on a completely smooth gravel climbing back. I'm definitely going to go with the big tires. And I hate to sound like a broken record on the podcast, but I think like you suggested, a lot of people get into the sport 
from the roadside and start thinking, oh, like a 700 by 38, that's perfect. It's way bigger than my road tire, which is true. Mm -hmm. But I think we're starting to see trends in the industry more and more that the frames are coming with a 700 by 50 tire width capability. And I think that's a positive trend. Absolutely. And it, it truly, it, it varies by region. So when I'm talking about those are national forest, I definitely am going to be preaching a bigger tire. Sounds like same thing with where you're at. And is it, is it Marin County? Yeah. Marin County. Yeah. Yeah. Marin County. You get some people maybe in Iowa. So I just, I did a race in Iowa not too long ago and out there I could tell I didn't need that tire. Uh, I could have gone a little bit skinnier, but it was what I was used to. So that's part of it. I'm used to it. I know how it handles and it still felt good. I never felt like I was sacrificing speed, but definitely by region, I think that's where you see trends just coming back to the different communities. It's if there's established community in the area and their bell curve of tires, tire widths is at a certain point, that's probably what you're going to yeah. hear recommendations for. for yeah. yeah. I had a similar experience to yours in Iowa when I went to uh, Steamboat Springs and tire people I was talking to were saying, oh, you can race that course on a 38. And I was like, no way. <laughs> and I did come down to a 40, which I thought was a good accommodation. But at the end of the day, like I totally could have done it on a 38. And I know a lot of the local guys and girls were running 32s because they call it champagne gravel out there. And it, it's, it's not technical at all compared to what it sounds like you and I are used to. Yeah. Yeah. And to each their own. I, I will, that's what I love about gravel and itself is that there's so many different consistencies and styles that you take a road trip and you're like, man, this is a brand new experience. Not only is it new scenery, but just the way I am riding is a completely different experience. Yeah. And you design your equipment for what you want to, maybe, maybe you're designing around a weakness. You want to climb faster. So you get a lighter setup, or maybe you're not confident descending. So you get something big and burly to allow you to keep up with your friends. And as you said, it's all good. And it's fascinating to see different people's setups. Yeah. And no matter what, whatever a person brings, I'm excited for them. You're here to ride. Let's do it. And we're going to bring to get through this ride together. Hopefully there's not many mechanicals, but if there are, <laughs> so be it, or flats. It's the fact that you can pull someone and experience something like this together. That's more important than sometimes getting into the nitty gritty of what's the right call. It's more like the fact that you have the enthusiasm to come do it will overpower a lot of those little things with the equipment. A hundred percent. It's all about riding what you've got. Like you said, when you were out there in Utah, you just had the desire to test those gravel roads out there and you just rode your road bike and it was all good. And mm -hmm. as it became a passion of yours, you're like, maybe I want to get more specialized equipment over time. And you did. And now look what you're doing. Adventures all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much fun. And I'm just barely getting started. So that's definitely the exciting thing. It's finally being like, all right, I found something I'm in it for the long haul and it's going to progress a lot over time in so many different capacities. And I'm going to keep doing everything I can to help the local community while I'm at it. That's so great. That's so great. Speaking of racing and being in it for the long haul, I can't help but ask you about the Arkansas high country race. Now that I learned you did it and you, cr <laughs> you crushed it. So was that your first ultra distance race? Yeah, that was my first ultra distance race, first gravel race. So 
several firsts in that one outing and crushing it. I don't know about crushing it. I went in with the mentality of I'm going to either pull off something crazy or I'm going to go up in flames. And I think I did a little, little bit of both. I, <laughs> I did enough to where I was in the conversation with like a caliber of an athlete of Ted King, just the fact that they kept mentioning my name for the first few days and I was around the same mileage and all that. So that was really cool. Ultimately, I had never pushed that far in my life as far as my mental and physical. And so it was an awesome learning experience and sleep deprivation as well. I slept two and a half hours in the first like three days. It was just, yeah, it was a lot. And it was exciting and a really cool way to start. So I'm definitely looking forward to more ultra distance racing. I think that's definitely the sweet spot for me personally is just getting on the bike and living on the bike for days on end. How many miles was that event? So that event, it's right around 1,037 miles. They've still been shifting the route over the years, whether it be due to flooding or closed roads. So it's still a little bit of a dynamic route. It's not 100% set in stone, but yeah, just over 1,000 miles. So that's a pretty substantial distance to be covering, especially just in one state. Oh, it's massive. And what I thought was interesting about that event, you can choose to go clockwise or counterclockwise, right? Yeah, it's wild. So it's definitely with bikepacking being newer, bikepacking racing, let me say, being newer in the United States, you have your classics like the Tour Divide, the Colorado Trail. I'd say those are, when it comes to bikepacking, racing, and routes, those are the prime examples with the most history and it's very clear you start at one end and you end at the other and for the colorado trail you can do it either direction and there's an fkt for both and an overall fkt with the tour divide as far as i know the race has always been north to south people have done the route both directions but the race is north to south yeah and so with a loop what they've been developing here is hey let's shake things up with this loop you can go either direction for one, two, you can start anywhere. So we've had people start all over this route for the race. It's a mass start. So everybody starts together, but even that in itself, that mass starts going to change every two years. So it's this crazy dynamic race where you can go one year and then you go again three years later and you're starting in a completely different city. You might even be going a different direction the weather might be completely different. It's There's a lot of things that they're tying together just to keep it very interesting, which is cool. And how did you feel about your choice of direction and what was it this year? I like the counterclockwise direction. A lot of it was strategic in the fact that starting from Fayetteville for last year and this year, being the host community, you get the hardest stretch out of the way in the first 250 miles okay so that has the hardest train so my mentality was get the hardest section out of the way right away the biggest run out of no resupply which is i want to say around 150 miles no resupply no service barely any water definitely no food just knock that out and then keep trucking along so that makes sense to i me. liked that idea i think part of the problem was i definitely didn't keep in mind that i 
was covering different terrain than the leaders in the other direction. So in this case, this was Ted King. So he was covering different terrain and I didn't need to be even with him at mile 300. I should have been behind, but instead I was even. And so it, it really does mess with your pacing strategy when you're looking at dots on a website and you're trying to base decisions on what other people are doing versus solely on how you're feeling and what you think is the right call for you to put out your best time. That makes sense. And what was your yeah. sleep system and what was your sleep strategy? Sleep strategy and system went hand in hand. My strategy was sleep as little as possible, ride the bike as much as possible. So I brought as little as possible when it came to sleep system <laughs> to ensure that I didn't give myself the choice. So I was like, whenever I get to a major town, say halfway through, get a motel, sleep for four hours, get back on the bike, make another huge push, occasional plop down in a, a ditch in the middle of the night and put on an emergency bivy and all your layers and sleep for an hour. That was my mentality, which that's not what I'd do for a, a tour or a, a fun ride, but for a race of competing against people of that caliber, I knew that's what personally I would have to do to be able to make up that differential and yeah. fitness and experience. When you did decide to bivy in a ditch, what was your body telling you? Just like, I'm completely done? Or was it your mind? You couldn't ride a straight line anymore? The first time I slept, I was just not nodding off, but I was yawning some, starting to ride slower. The hill started feeling bigger and harder. And I just decided, okay, go ahead and take a break, take a nap and get back after it. And so that one worked great. Second time I took a nap, I was on the wooden floor of a community church in the middle of nowhere. And luckily the doors were unlocked. So I just laid down on the ground between two pews on the hardwood floor. And my knees were crazy creaky when I got back on the bike and everything hurt terribly bad. And sometimes that just, that will last for 10 minutes and then your body goes, Oh, okay, here we go back to what we've been doing. And sometimes you're working through that for two or three hours and you're just in your head nonstop. Like, all right, like <laughs> surely this is going to change. Right. It's so it's definitely a lot of mental warfare. I'd say the mind is equally important as any other aspect when it comes to that kind of racing. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that, you're going to feel so many things throughout the day and it's going to change. You're going to feel like everybody's going to feel like crap at a certain point mm -hmm. during the day. And the ride is so darn long that you're bound to feel better at some point, presumably. Yeah, absolutely. And with already doing that route once, kind of coming back to the whole inspiration with Ozark Gravel Cyclist was having the opportunity to do that route over the summer while still looking for a job. I was so blown away by the terrain that it sealed the deal for me. I was like, I'm definitely going to live in Arkansas for the rest of my life. This is incredible. I'll take trips other places, but this is a great home base. And I could train here for the rest of my life and ride here for the rest of my life and be so happy. So that route gave me just so much joy and fulfillment that for one, it just got me incredibly excited on Arkansas riding. But two, I knew that we were just barely dancing through this terrain. 1.2 million acres in the National Forest of the Ozarks alone. And we just 
do one little line through it a couple times. So what about all these other roads that we don't see on that route? And so that's been just the utter joy of every weekend I can go sample one or two more new roads, make new connections, keep changing up loops. And right now my summer project is to make a new bikepacking loop in Arkansas that's around 300 miles, but it's way more gravel, way less pavement. So 80% gravel, 90% gravel, and you're getting 32,000 feet of elevation and 300 miles, and you share almost no roads with the high country. So it's just this beautiful sample of, you want to know what bikepacking and gravel riding is in the Ozarks? Check this out. Come to it. All in the Ozarks, exactly. And ultimately it's to make a bunch of smaller loops within that loop so you don't have to go do a hundred mile day it's i want to be able to have people here's a 25 mile route that you will love and then you can eat a burger at the oldest cafe in arkansas right afterwards or something like that i have all these friends in this community that are all stoked about it we're all getting out together and exploring we have this community everyone's so excited and it's just been so uplifting for everybody. It's just this fire and more and more people are jumping in as time goes on. So it's just this beautiful snowball effect that who knows what's going to be the scene in another year or two, but it's only getting bigger and better and more exciting. I love your passion for it, Andrew. And it's definitely, Arkansas has definitely been coming on the map more and more over the few, last few years between the, the big bikepacking race and Big Sugar and other events that are going on. It's truly a place that if you love off-road riding, you got to get to one of these days. I think that's a good place for us to end. I, I really appreciate the time and, and truly appreciate anybody who's growing a community from the ground up. Ozark Gravel Cycling is such an amazing resource, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. For anybody in the region who's looking for great routes, you hear the passion in Andrew's voice for what he's doing. So go visit him, hit him up on social media, and get out there and try some Arkansas gravel. I I would love it. And I do get messages from people coming out of state, and they want to know where to go and what to see. So it's, it's very rewarding to share this with others. And I'm glad to have you asked me onto the show because it's just helping us reach an even even broader audience that maybe one person's going to make a road trip to Arkansas. And that's because of you having me on the show. So thank you. I, th- I think we might get, be getting a rush of people to Arkansas after this. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So that's it for this edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. Big thank you for Andrew for coming on the podcast and for everything he's doing with Ozark Gravel Cyclists. As you know, I love these regional projects. I think they're so important for the gravel cycling community just to get that insight as to the trails that you might discover if you're taking a vacation in the Ozarks. And if you're in that region, just bonding the community together with their weekly rides is so important as well. I really love what he's working on. I've got Andrew jumping into the ridership forum as well. So if you have any questions for him, please join us at www.theridership.com. Jump in the forum and be sure to ping him. It's also the place where if you have any feedback for me or suggestions for future guests, I'm all ears. 
we're building a community of gravel cyclists all around the world, breaking down conversations by subject area, but also as regions. So if you're looking to travel this summer, you can jump into a region outside of where you live and just connect with gravel cyclists, whether it be someone in the Ozarks, the Pacific Northwest, or the East Coast. We've got riders from all over the country and all over the world. We've got some great guests coming up in the coming weeks and months on the Gravel Ride podcasts. As always, I appreciate your continued support. If you're interested in supporting the podcast financially, you can visit buymeacoffee.com slash the gravel ride. Also, ratings and reviews are also extremely important in the podcast game, so I appreciate and read those as well. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels. Mm-hmm.